0: I felt triggered because I felt it. What he said was like, as long as you have a salary at the end of the month and you're getting paid by a boss or by somebody at the end of the month, you're not really an entrepreneur. You're just an employee with entrepreneurial tendencies. (laughs)
1: Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, wherever you are in the world, and welcome back to Social Convost, another edition of Ask Me Anything, and today the tables have been turned, and we have our host, Jean-Luc <laughs> who will be answering all these questions that he's been collecting.
0: Jean-Luc, how have you been? So, I have to tell a story to start off. I really have to tell a story. Yesterday, I got frozen out of my MacBook.
1: Frozen out of your MacBook. Yes. In do th- it, it was bound to happen, right?
0: Yeah, it was bound to happen. Came home, tried to log in at night. Couldn't log in. Tried to log in again. Couldn't log in. And I couldn't get into my own laptop.
1: So you are f- blocked out of it because of you couldn't log in account? Or was it a hardware fault?
0: I think it was a hardware fault. I think the PC froze and it kind of deleted my account on my laptop there was like there was no account anymore so it was it wasn't just the login there was like literally no account i couldn't get into my laptop
1: interesting i've actually yeah. never heard that before
0: no this is this is a brand new one you have a laptop you can't get into your laptop so it's not getting into your email or your socials or anything like that just not being able to get into your laptop and this was a good test for me first of all I'm happy the age we live in today, because ten years ago, I would have lost at least access to half of the things that I should have as- access to. I mean, I haven't checked for files. I haven't mm-hmm. checked if I still have all my files because they had to do a backup. But a shout out to my nephew Chris for helping me with the recovery because. I haven't checked the files, but the files aren't that important for me. The most important thing is if you get frozen out, can you get back into your socials? Can you back into your bank accounts? Can you get back into your crypto? Those kind of things. Yeah. Basically I've recovered everything. I oh, that's so like good. anything, anything I need internet access to. I thought I lost my brave rewards
1: yeah because but that's to uh, connected reinstall. to your uh, account and as long as you have your passphrase it should be fine
0: no that's actually the thing so the the brave rewards was a little different because i haven't i hadn't connected it to Uphold or anything, so it was oh. just on the browser hmm. but then I quickly found uh, on the internet that if you put like the old folder the old brave folder back into the folder on your new p c or desktop then you <laughs> then you actually it returns. So I'm lucky enough to still have my brief. I mean, it's not as many brief basic attention tokens as you have, but it, it still felt like I was losing out on a little bit of money.
1: That's that's really good to hear. Would have been really, really unfortunate. I, I know some horror stories, people yeah. losing access to these very sensitive types of information. The first that trick, said.
0: a good trick, is always find a way to back up your data, which which we did. And unfortunately, we were able to do a a restore, so hard to at least a data restore. So I was able to put in my old Brave folder. Straight after I reinstalled Brave as my browser, I added the old folder into the, the new one, and all my Brave rewards were restored. So that was the first thing that was important. And the second one was getting back into Evernote because I have a couple of things. I had stored them. I've now stored them elsewhere. But I had a couple of things stored in Evernote, which I only had in Evernote.
1: But isn't Evernote also account bound or is it like offline as well? I, I think all it's, of these its apps are...
0: It's, Evernote is both online and it, and it's synced offline and online. So luckily I was able to save everything. So there are a couple of comments. So yeah, good to hear, Kay, that you were saved as well. Good evening, Anil and Jill. Quickly telling some horror stories about me being frozen out. And Rajiv says he knows all about it. I know Rajiv knows all about it. So I'm happy that we, uh, I could have called Rajiv as well if I, if I if I was a little bit stuck, I think.
1: So yeah, we got a hey from Twitch. And yeah, Jager's my, one of my moderators on Twitch. Oh, so, awesome. But okay. th- then I have to ask you immediately, do you use a password manager or a... Manager yeah. of some sort,
0: I use a password manager because uh, I discovered yesterday that I have over 150 passwords stored on the password manager, so that's a good thing. And basically, all my socials, which I didn't realize until today when I was recovering everything, all my social media accounts have two factor authentication, so that's a really good thing
1: yeah definitely so just for out of curiosity which password manager do you use and would you recommend for other people managing so many accounts i'm not
0: gonna i'm not gonna tell which one i use (laughs) i'm just kidding no for for starters i think for people who are just starting out that need to use a password manager i would recommend lastpass i mean it's the easiest to go if you're for instance if you're a, a google user lastpass if you're used to the Google environments, if you use Google Chrome, you can now use LastPass for, for almost everything. I think LastPass is also on Brave if you use a Brave browser. I'm using multiple now, just because I wanna be extra secure. And I also mm-hmm. installed uh, two-factor authentication on, on LastPass.
1: Nowadays, they're just more than password managers. It's basically a whole ID, like a credential storage.
0: Yeah, it's 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 crazy. And I think that's, that's a big difference. Like you used to have these password managers, but then you really had to be techie as well and understand everything. And like LastPass is like, like Gmail. It's it's kind of the Gmail for password managers. It's like really quick and fast. And if you're just starting out, I mean, I, I would just recommend that one. I wouldn't go to another one just because, yeah, you want more security. That's for people that need more security. But the best, I think I agree with Jager, the best way is pen and paper. That's something that I've, I've actually written down a couple, so th- that's another thing. I don't have all my passwords in in my password manager. I, I keep com- some of them out, but I'm I'm not gonna play a big security expert here, people. This is just this is just some comment. If you just wanna start out, there's a couple of good things you should do, and that's always try to synchronize info on on two accounts. Always try to use two two-factor authentication, and always log out. I think that's an important one as well. If you don't log out, the problem if you don't log out is you don't get used to remembering valuable passwords. So for me, that's a really important thing. So just like thing.
1: phone numbers, basically. Back in the day, you remembered everyone's phone number. Now, nowadays, I can't even recall my mom's phone number. But that, that brings me to actually the first question from the q and Someone has submitted, how do you remember so clearly because like remembering all those years in sports and now we're talking about passwords. How do you have such a good memory?
0: Okay. Okay. So I think this is a question that's related to sports a little bit because because we we, we do jigsaws and I remember kind of remember all the players and when they played and who they played against. So, okay. So a little bit of context for those who are just watching that didn't see the announcement We're doing an Ask Me Anything. Diego is basically taking questions that people sent in and we're discussing today. And the first question is about how am I so good with numbers and remembering things? So it's important to know a little bit of a backstory. I'm an only child, and people don't re- realize that. Yeah, there are some advantages to being an only child, but one of the biggest disadvantages is when you're when you're little. Like imagine being a a single uh, a single child an only child right now during COVID and having to stay at home and having nobody to play with. Like, if you have your parents, you can still play with your parents, but, I mean, they're your parents. So, basically, when you're an only child, you have a lot of free spare time on your hands that you don't have to bicker with with brothers and sisters or little brothers and sisters. And I used to spend that, when I was little, analyzing sports, remembering sports, doing research on sports. So, up until my 18, went out and studied, basically, until I stopped, finished my studies, my life revolved around music and sports. So when it comes to music and sports from '90 to 2000, maybe 2006, 2007, I'm like an encyclopaedia. So I basically kind of know a lot of things. I won uh, a total so from at Fat with during the World Cup of '94 or '98, I think. Or that's yeah. a
1: long time ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. So basically, when I was like. Thirteen years old, I beat. Yeah, I think it was nineteen ninety eight, and was it was at the World Cup in Korea. At my at the age of thirteen, I beat out over a hundred people who were predicting the scores for the World Cup, and basically just through being completely researching everything. And and one of the weird ones that I had correctly was I actually predicted the the score between the Netherlands and Korea, South Korea during that World. World Cup, which was a really ridiculous score. It was like five to nothing.
1: Was it predicted or not?
0: Well, there was some favoritism. I like the Dutch team at the time. So those so so those things matters. The one of the players of the team had the same date of birth as I had. Aaron Winter was still playing for that team. And and you have to remember, like Aaron Winter is like from Surinamese origin, and he used to be the most kept Dutch player in the history of, of Dutch football. Back, back, back uh, in the nineties, uh, early two thousands. So those kind of things I do remember. So everything that's hardwired from when I was a teenager. Another thing that was hardwired as well is I can basically divide any number between one and ten divided by a number between one and ten, and can give you a percentage of how much that is. Three divided by seven is forty-two point nine percent. Like those, those are kind of okay. Where fair enough. It becomes a little bit tricky. And, and so, those things with percentages, so a shot percentage for a basketball team, if a basketball team search a sub- certain percentage from the field, I can quickly calculate it because I really had a lot of time being a single child, uh, only child, and I needed so. So, when and, and I mean, I don't always recollect it correctly, but I mean, when it comes to sports and music, I, I usually tend to be able to find out stuff easier, especially basketball, football. And maybe a little, tennis, not that much. I don't think I can go that far back, but basketball, basketball and football, I can go.
1: So I, I assume far. it's also because you yeah. talk about it a lot, right? Uh, especially the sports like basketball and uh, football that you have often conversation with friends about it that- you know, Yeah, it, of it, course. It, it, it gets stored in your long-term memory. So it's basically, you, it's been it's stored yeah. in your cold storage since childhood and you yeah. keep recollecting that. That, that makes uh, some kind of sense. So yeah, that, that makes sense. And then quickly, we have some comments in here coming from Anil. Yeah, he also agrees paper-based security is the best, but also has advantages. And that's something you have to decide for yourself. <laughs> what, trade, what trade-off do you want, obviously. Uh, a good evening from Samuel. And Anil immediately has a question. What is the answer to life, the universe, and everything? And I know this, but if you want to give it a shot.
0: No, I have, I have, no, I have no idea if there's a specific thing that Anil is referring I, to. I
1: assume yeah. the answer Anil is referring to is 42.
0: I'm not sure if he knows what 42 means in, in uh, volleyball terms, but 42 is actually a specific kind of hit in volleyball, certain kind of height and a certain kind of average. And that's that's the only reference I have to 42. Another reference that I have to 42 is, uh, I think, an alcoholic drink. Another reference, no, that's 52. So that doesn't work. Another reference to 42 is actually four, uh, 420, but that's not what he meant. So. <laughs>
1: yeah, so basically the 42 he's referring to is from the Hitchhiker's Guides to the Galaxy. Really old movie and a book.
0: Ah, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. No, Anil. I to to be honest, to, to quickly jump into the question of life and the universe and everything. As I get older, I realize I know very very little, and like even people with an IQ close to two hundred, they know very very little, and they don't have the answers and the solutions. Because right now, the solution that the people that are really considered the most uh, intellectual people in the world, their current solution is flying to Mars. So that kind of gives you an idea uh, where we're at in the state of the world at the moment. All
1: right, I guess then let's move on to the next question before I take Greg's question from the comments. I'll tie that up in when we get to that section. So let's do a two or three quick fires and okay. then move to a deeper one, you know, okay. to balance okay. it out. So <laughs> quickly, uh, someone wants to know, what's your favorite food?
0: Favorite food is a difficult one. I think it changed over the years. So when I was young, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, pizza. Then I was into Garfield, then it became lasagna. When I went to study, it was it was went from lasagna to pomme and pasté because I really started missing pomme and pasté. So if, if I would have to give a generic answer, pomme pasté would be the first thing. I'm getting more and more into things like sushi now, but let's, for, for, the, for the sake of it, keep it at pomme and pasté.
1: Okay, what's your favorite social media platform at the moment?
0: At the moment, that's a good one. Where do I spend the most time? That's I think that's that's the top question. I honestly don't have a favorite social media channel. If I I, I jump in between Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Twitter, Hive and TikTok. So I jump in between them. I'm not. Uh, it's, there's not any of them where I spend a lot of time. So that's that's a that's a really hard question. If I would take like the the most fun platform, like I get the most actual engagement, like fun engagement, I would go between. I might even consider Twitter. I think Twitter is really really underrated. Yeah. I think Twitter is really underrated.
1: I gotta agree with you on that one for consumption. The, the, definitely, it's very niche. Yeah,
0: and of course, of course, actually, the the easiest question where I spend most of my time YouTube, by far. <laughs> I don't even consider it social media anymore.
1: The same year. YouTube is by it's, it's far just pure, the most pure consumption. Yeah, it's, pure consumption.
0: Uh, and by the, the the social media platform that I hate the most, WhatsApp. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right, then moving on. I'm gonna build this one up. What did you want to be when you were young?
0: I wanted to be two things when I was young. Is it two things? Yeah, two things. One, a bum. A bum? Yeah. And two, I wanted to be the owner or the manager of a football, of a soccer team.
1: Any one in particular or was it just any football team?
0: I think when I started out, it was Ajax. Pretty sure it was Ajax.
1: So you wanted to be a bum or own a soccer uh, field. That's totally left field from what you are doing right now. So did you ever consider being in this type of space, being a public speaker, running a marketing agency, online agency? Did you ever think that would be possible?
0: No. About well, Thinking possible, yes. So I shifted a lot between thinking like what I wanted to do but I think one of the things that happened is when I went to study in Tilburg is that in the first year, I made a decision, a conscious, pretty conscious decision, that I wanted to present every group, every study group that I was into for any course, I was the speaker. I was the one that uh, did the presentations. I never really was good at, at presenting. But when I went to study in Tilburg at the university, the first thing I decided was whenever I'm in a group project and somebody has to present, I want to be the one that presents it. And that's how I build up my speaking hours, basically. Until I, I, I was like a third-year or fourth-year student and I was like, maybe I should give somebody else the chance. But I was just taking every speaking speaking gig that I could get. And once you speak for a uh, class in, at university, then also when I had to do presentations for like our, our study association, I would do the presenting, and then you would present for like rooms with three hundred students. So basically, all those fairs that you would have, they were were going we are kind of organically. I never studied like okay, what is the tactic? What should I do? I just because of speaking experience, I started to learn like things that I'm comfortable with, and that's kind of how I built up my speaking skills. So, And from the entrepreneurial perspective, yeah, I kind of got pushed a little bit by my dad because the entrepreneurial side comes basically from him, a little bit from my grandfather's side as well, but I wasn't aware of that when I was growing up. And my mom is more an artist. So I'm kind of stuck in between my parents where I want to be more of an artist, but I'm kind of more respected as an entrepreneur as instead of an artist so i really i haven't found the balance in that yet
1: all right speaking of balance we'll go into that in a bit but quickly on i guess uh, you build that confidence over time for public speaking by you know just hitting the hours taking every opportunity so having all that experience do you have any tips for anyone wanting to improve their public speaking
0: if it's in dutch i actually have a whole video on YouTube about it so if you're really interested in speaking tips I might uh, share it next week as well uh, because it's getting brought up now so there's a whole video on that but I think for me the most important thing about speaking out is don't talk about things you don't know and and that's it's it's a very big dilemma especially when you're doing presenting for school because when you present for for school, especially school, a little bit on on a higher education level as well, but especially when you're like in middle school or high school, when you have to speak and present, you have to present about something that you're not really familiar with And you're being graded on what you actually tell. And the teacher is is looking like, does he or she know what he or she is talking about? That's difficult. But once you've grown past that page, when you speak like for clients, when you speak for companies, when you speak at a big event, nobody's there that's there actually knows what you're going to say. So you completely can decide what you put on your slides and what you talk about. So a mistake that people often make is try to speak about things that, they're familiar with but not really. They don't know into depth. Leave those things out for the questions because then you have more time to frame your answers. So if there's something you're not really 100% sure about, just take it out of the presentation and bring it up when the question round comes around. I think that's the biggest advice I can. Don't put things in your presentation that you don't 100% surely know the full detail about.
1: Yeah, also elicit interest, right? Basically, people don't know what you don't know. <laughs>
0: Yeah, so people don't know what you're going to talk about, so why put in a slide where you're struggling, like when you're practicing, you're putting in the slide, and every time you reach that slide, you really struggle? Just take the slide out. I mean, but people are afraid to do that because it's, yeah, that slide, there is something that they feel that the people who are listening to the presentation need to get the information of the slide, but you can also put that information in after the presentation.
1: Definitely. All right. So you talked, you haven't found the balance yet between the entrepreneurial side and the creator artistic side between your mom and your dad. But let's talk about balance as in work life and leisure balance. And this one comes from someone who's a dad. What (laughs) techniques or tips do you have for other dads? Because you're also a dad to balance that part of your life out.
0: So basically, I forgot one important thing that I wanted. My real life goal, like my only life goal, it's not that what people think to be a great entrepreneur or to help Suriname develop into an awesome country. Yes, those things I want to do. But my really biggest life goal, I wish I catered my whole life around, is becoming a good dad. So, And that's what I learned from my dad. People look up to him maybe for his accomplishments in healthcare or in tourism or as an entrepreneur. But I look up to my dad for being a dad, for always being there when he had the time or made time. For me, it didn't matter that when I was in at school and high school, I would be one of the latest to be picked up or I have to carpool with somebody else because he was working and he saw it as his duty to pick me up. So if I had to wait an hour for him to pick me up, he would still pick me up. And I wasn't the only one. I was never the only one waiting. There are always other other children waiting as well. But aside from that, my dad was also our football team trainer. When I was growing up, he trained the football team. We drove rally together. I started when I was 14. I started as a navigator in, in the Surinamese rally sport. I think to this day, I'm the youngest I'm not sure if I'm still the youngest because Guy Fakal also participated, I think, in a Safana rally. But at the time I was the youngest Safana rally participant at the age of 14. I'm still the youngest organizer, part of the organization team at age 16 or 15 or 16. So I, yeah. I didn't
1: realize you were also in that scene. Interesting.
0: I won my first rally, not the highest division, but the second the first division. I won my first rally when I was 14. So yeah, I, I stopped when I went to study. And when I came back, I didn't sacrifice my Sunday morning anymore <laughs> to drive. So that, And of course, my dad was a little bit older and no longer in the rally scene. But those are things he did that I showed interest in. And he would make time and pick it up and always talk to me about everything. And from a young age, he would drill me into entrepreneurial stuff. So if he would be on vacation, he would be coaching me constantly. He was showing me what went well, what didn't go well. And basically that never stopped. So for me, like for other people, it's already like, okay, wow, this is a little bit of abundance of information sometimes. But for me, I've been hearing it for like, as long as I can remember. So it's kind of, I'm used to it. And I kind of know what things he mentions are new and what things I've heard before and I can put it into context easier. So I think that for me played an important role for myself. Also much of my success I have to thank to my wife because my wife, is, she's really this awesome woman who, aside from putting up with me, has similar ambitions for our children and being good parents. So that helps out a lot. Now, getting to the balance between a work-life, for me, it's a complete struggle. I mean, it's, it's been a struggle for six years now. A lot of things stopped when I got my children. So I used to do everything. And I try to say yes to everything, which I'm sure is going to come up in another question and another answer to another question. But when my daughter was born, I canceled half of the things that I was doing. And when my son was born, I canceled another half of the things that I was doing. So that's one tip. It doesn't work as well for anybody. But for instance, when my son was born, I finally said goodbye to the organization of the Suriname Jazz Festival because for me it was like, no way I'm ever going to be able to combine those things. Uh, A couple of other things I had to say goodbye to. Anything that really didn't, that wasn't necessary for me to be a part of, I kind of called off. And so that's one thing. And I think set time is most important. Every day between 6 and 8 at night, So every afternoon between six and eight is basically family time. You can try to call me, but you won't be able to reach me. And the biggest sacrifice I had to make when my son was born was basically the weekends. I used to work on Sundays. I used to work on Saturdays. Not anymore. I can't work in the weekend anymore because that time is really uh, family time. So I think those are really, so the six, the six, eight is an important one uh, for me that that's those hours also you can't get you can't reach me on my phone between 6 and 8 uh, in the afternoon you just won't and in the weekend so those are sa- big sacrifices and then because i have a quite hectic schedule i made a promise to my wife that i would put the kids to bed at least three times a week so i put the kids to bed three times a week and uh, a big advantage my wife was actually worried about this but a big advantage that i have is that my wife starts working at 7 in the morning which means I have to bring the kids to school which means I have to prep them I have to make sure they get on in school at school and they care in time so basically I have my children every morning I have them for an hour it's even if I'm just having to hurry them up to get clothing and get in the car but it's still quality time that I get with them and then yeah, I have the 6 8 and then I have the weekend so basically that's how I balance everything out and aside from that I just go full on work. So between uh, eight thirty in the morning and six pm, it's work. If after tonight, after the show, if I need to finish things, I just continue working. But gotcha. uh, that kind of breaks up as well, especially when you go way over thirty, when you're going towards forty. You can see it in my eyes a little. You need your precious sleep between <laughs> uh, between yeah. midnight and six o'clock in the morning. So that that well, does you that gotta does get six, it eight so. hours <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it, it I'm not getting it six I'm getting six at, 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 at no
1: but that, that's and good it's like yeah uh having to make like a de- deliberate choice and making time for those yeah. slots and making no yeah. compromises for that
0: so if you go to my cal my, my calendar is like for this week my calendar is like fully fully booked like every, every minute. Of course, it's not possible to keep going through it. And there are a couple of things that I don't manage to finish. But if you go to my calendar, you will see that there's a slot between six and eight that nobody is able to touch. You can't plan anything in there.
1: Gotcha. All right, let's check one of the comments from the, one of the questions from the comments from Greg. Who is Shan Luke's <coughs> favorite influencer at the moment?
0: Influencer should be something, somebody you follow. So there's a there's a big shift for me personally. So if you if right. you're gonna if you're gonna make it temporary, it's a little bit difficult. But okay, I'm, for, I'm con- gonna,
1: for context, yeah. what's yeah. your definition here of influencer, and then we'll base the answer off of
0: that. The the person who influences my life the most at the moment. So so the the generic answer would be Gary Vaynerchuk or Casey Neistat. Like that would be the generic answer. Mm. Like if you look at people that I'm, I'm really intrigued by who they are. If you look at it from a, a perspective of thought leadership, I would go with Simon Sinek or with Nafal Rafikant. I think like if 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 like if there's one person that I I put them like on a pedestal it's it's Nafal. Nafal is Nafal is crazy. Nafal is it's on a whole other level. It's it's I just I just love love his energy. I love the way he thinks. I love the way he projects things. He brings you at ease. So if I would have to pick someone, I'll, if I would have to say, currently, I watch a lot of chess. So I would end up with a, maybe four or five chess channels on, on YouTube. And I think for fun entertainment purposes, I really like David Dobrik's content. I know he's been through a lot of controversy over the past, over the past year. But when it comes just to just entertainment, just putting your brains on zero, and just watching for entertainment. I think he's he's done an uh, amazing job, but but okay. yeah, the classical answer would be Gary Vaynerchuk or, or Casey Neistat.
1: No, I'm happy you broke it down into categories because questions yeah. like this, who's your favorite this? Who do you look up to? It's very difficult to answer with just one answer because it depends on the category, the moment you are in your life and which industry, et cetera, et cetera. You're looking yeah. at it. Yeah. So my, my suggestion for these types of questions is be more specific.
0: <laughs> otherwise, otherwise, I would just say, Gotham chess. I got You know, and then you'll be like, what? And be, Eric Rosen, chess bra. And you'll be like, Seriously, <laughs> and it's just chess channels that I watch on on YouTube.
1: So this leads into the other Gregory's question. Tell us something yeah. we don't know about you. So I, is the chess thing something people know about you? Because I didn't know about it before.
0: I've I've briefly spoken about it. So this is also going to be like something current or something not current. But I'm gonna I'm gonna pull out a fun one during my first year. As a student in Tilburg, I won a DJ contest.
1: You won a yeah. DJ contest.
0: Yeah. How? Tilburg at the time wasn't really culturally that culturally diverse. So I just went through my list of favorite hip hop songs of all time, and while everybody was playing like Dutch music, I just took like six to ten of the best hip hop songs of all time, and I just bounce the place up and everybody just and I didn't do it alone so that's the fun part I was doing it together with a very cool uh, cool guy and we kind of teamed up and we had the music and then I just went through the hip-hop classics and like the whole place exploded and I won the DJ contest
1: did you have a DJ name
0: No. (laughs) no 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 there was no prize money involved it was just It was just for the fun. It was just fun.
1: Oh, all right. All right. Regardless, fun fact and fun experience, I would assume, because good memory. All right. This is going, moving along very well. So we'll get back to you, Greg, once we move to a more online topic. But let's stick to Sean Look for uh, (laughs) a a moment right now. You already told us what your, you know, one of your biggest goals was personally. But if you look at it career-wise, what would you say that, Currently, one of your biggest dreams or targets is from a career perspective.
0: I kind of joke around that I'm I'm retired. I'm really searching for a challenge. So if somebody wants to challenge me with something, I, I won't promise that I accept the challenge because if I don't find it a very interesting challenge. I just won't accept it. But I'm at a space right now where I actually do need a challenge for myself. The challenge that I'm putting in for myself, which I'm currently looking at for this week and I really want to do, is actually start a successful international career. So I actually have an international course that's being followed everywhere around the world. I think that's something that I wanted to have done in my lifetime. It's not something that I'm going to do for the rest of my life. But something that really interests me right now is doing an international course. And I think people in Suriname underestimate their skill level. And that in some cases you can measure up with, with the rest of the world and you're not of a lesser quality than the rest of the world. And it's really kind of this inferiority complex that uh, Western society kind of sometimes, I don't, I don't think it's consciously, but un, unconsciously there is this kind of inferiority complex among people coming from third world countries, developing countries that they are somewhat less than than others. And it starts with salary. I mean, like, if I would do the same work I'm doing now, if I would do it in a Western country, I mean, the amount of money that I would earn on a monthly basis would be so much higher than what I earn currently that it kind of, it kind of puts you like, am I not that good? Am I not uh, able to do the same things as those, as those people? And in some cases, no, because their infrastructure is just isn't there. The clients with the same amount of money aren't there. But on the other side, it's still, you still have the skill. So one, one thing that I really want to prove is like somebody from Suriname can, and we're we're proving it on sports level. We're proving it on so many levels already. So so let's also put it in like a, a small medium enterprise level as well.
1: Interesting. An international course. You never have, have any idea what topics yet, or is that still, you know, to ex- open, no, no, open no, no. for exploration?
0: I'm, I'm, I'm very open. How to create an online career.
1: How to create an online career. Yeah. Okay. I'd say let's build it online
0: yeah publicly <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean I'm, i mean I'm, I'm going all out i'm currently looking at options to get a little bit of support internationally as well uh, a coach internationally as well i have a couple of options in mind and i think they all want to do it so that makes me excited
1: okay i i, I want to tie this into the next question then while it's you you mentioned online, and this question yeah. is more social media specific. <laughs> okay. But this question says, or this person asks, we see that uh, recently social media jobs bring in a lot of money, and internationally we see that people, you know, leave their corporate jobs as well and move into more marketing, social media space, creating their own consultations, agencies, etc. And this person asks, are we here in Suriname ready for that type of movement? <sighs>
0: So there's a big disconnect at the moment. There's a disconnect between people that want to provide value and intelligent, intelligible information and quality information, and people that know how to reach a lot of people. Like there's a big gap currently. Like there's a situation where you have like an influencer who really needs knows how to captivate an audience, and then wants to work together with a company, and the company doesn't understand that this influencer reaches that many amount of people because. They know exactly what to do to capture the audience on the other side the influencer doesn't know how corporate society works and doesn't know which rules and regulations you have to apply to and why certain things are important to the board so there's a very big disconnect because the board on one side does want to have great numbers but on the other side like we have to stray straight through to our company culture and what we stand for and at the same time they want to have the same results of somebody who doesn't have the ideas and morals and ethics as as that company. And when we talk about different morals and ethics, it doesn't have to mean negatively, but you have to let, let go of a certain concept or a certain principle. And companies often aren't able to do that. So there is still a very big disconnect. It's really hard for influencers and online marketeers and social media savvy people to get a steady sustainable income. So I think that's where most people struggle. The the biggest reason why a lot of people that maybe work for the government or work a 9-to-5 and they want to jump to become a self-made entrepreneur in the creative space or in the marketing space, they kind of hold on to the the job and the salary because it gives them security and because they do that they don't actually make the transition to being become a full-time entrepreneur. So we have a lot of entrepreneurs in Suriname who have a day job. And when Gary Vaynerchuk said it the first time, I really felt offended. I felt triggered because I felt it. What he said was like, as long as you have a salary at the end of the month and you're getting paid by a boss or by somebody at the end of the month, you're not really an entrepreneur. You're just an employee with entrepreneurial tendencies. A real entrepreneur doesn't have uh, a salary from a boss at the end of the month, and could you repeat That's, that
1: so it's quotable? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, it's a, it's a Gary Vaynerchuk quote. I'm not going to quote a Gary Vaynerchuk quote just to make it quotable. Uh, people can't replay it if, if, if they want. But basically, the idea is simple. If you get a salary every end of the month from a boss, you're not an entrepreneur. You might have entrepreneurial tendencies, but you're not an entrepreneur.
1: So the follow-up to that is how could you stimulate the youth, especially since they are seeing this rise in entrepreneurship in this lifestyle that's being called recently, to go this direction, to stimulate this type of thinking instead of holding on to that government job or that nine-to-five.
0: So, so basically, if, if we take Nafal's thought on this, and I'm not gonna free or paraphrase, I'm gonna paraphrase him. I'm not gonna say exactly what he said, but just to put it into perspective, basically you have two kind of narratives. You have the narrative of the big global multinational that is basically companies like Facebook and Google. They're stronger, they're they're bigger and stronger than nations, so they kind of control the narrative in the world. And I think people underestimate that. And the bigger the company gets. The more money they're gonna spend in resources, they have infinite resources, they have so many expertise, so much expertise, they hire the best of the best. I heard stories of Facebook having like, uh, up to solicitation meetings, so like if you wanna apply there, you, you're gonna go have to go to eight to 10 levels of applying until you mm-hmm. finally get the job because there are twenty thousand people reaching out for five jobs or something like that. So that's one side of the spectrum, and that kind of those conglomerates get bigger and bigger, and that's where a lot of resistance comes from because these organizations get too big, they own too much stake in the world, and they deliberately they destroy the world, and then they destroy the world for millions of dollars and then they gave $1 million for charity or for corporate social responsibility <laughs> to make feel like, OK, we're, we're caring about the world. But at the same rate, they're destroying the world 10 times faster. So that's one, one side of the story. And basically, those companies destroy the middle ground like companies with a thousand employees with a couple of mm-hmm. hundred employees, because they take the structure that those companies have, the unique selling points that those companies have, they incorporate it in their structure and they basically smash the competition away until there's nothing left. I mean, we've seen it with Facebook. Like, I was on Foursquare. Foursquare disappeared when Facebook check-in came. I was on Meerkat. Meerkat disappeared when Facebook Live came. So all these kind of apps that get developed and companies that get developed, they just get squashed by the really big companies. But then there is something that they can do. They can make you feel like it's personal. And there's another space where there's a win. So aside from the big companies, conglomerates, there are also these companies that only have like five employees, but they're really specialized in something and they really make feel like you have a personal connection and the big conglomerates can't beat them because they have to cater to everyone. So these smaller companies, and I think there are a lot of opportunities there yeah, for, for us. And for for young Surinamese people that, that are looking for, for opportunity in the next five to 10 years, the offshore oil industry, I mean, Oli is trying to prepare us for us. They're doing local content and trying to find local companies that are able to be suppliers for when the big oil companies come in, like Total and Apache and all those other companies that are coming in from outside. All those offshore, offshore oil rigs that there are, they need suppliers, whether it's suppliers for food, for, for fresh water, for technical support, for what kind of support ever. All those offshore platforms, they kind of need suppliers, and all those companies bringing people in need suppliers as well. So that's something in Suriname we really have to consider. How do we, and basically, we don't have enough time because they have already established which companies they are going to work with and that that's hurtful because it, it we think like oh the oil money is going to come in and Suriname is going to benefit from it but most of the money is going to go out straight away so we have to work together and find a way like how do we get how do we become like one of the suppliers for for suppliers partners
1: and how can you cater actually that influx of people and companies that's going to come because you can build businesses around those businesses
0: you can completely and and i'm not that kind of person i'm very very terrible because i don't want i want to do what i find interesting and not what other people need sometimes so that's that's the disconnect so if there's something that other people need that i like doing that's where the connect is but just going out to see like okay this is what this company need and i'm going to lift completely around them because there's the money that you you won't be able to find me for those kind of things.
1: All right. Two quick fires then now in the, since you're, you are in the social media space, it's the social media online marketing industry. One, what's the best part of working in that space for you at the moment? And what's the worst part?
0: I think, and I hope I'm not going to get in trouble for this one, but I think what I really like about marketing, being in a marketing space is you get to see how companies operate. And of course, there is uh, confidentiality as well. But when you work for like, Ineffable does for 30 different kind of companies. You get to learn what corporate life is, what the power struggles are internally within companies, what the formal and informal structures are. And you kind of find similarities between, between companies for yourself. I mean, you can't openly discuss it because you have an NDA, but it, it, for you from a learning perspective, it's really interesting to see companies struggling with the same thing across the board or being successful because similar threats that certain managers or certain board of directors or CEOs have. So that's really, really interesting. And it it teaches you a lot. And if you're open to learn from those companies, I mean, you can learn a lot from your clients once you're just asked questions. So one of the first things that I always do whenever I get into a new building from a new client that I've previously haven't been, I look at their vision and mission statement. Like the bigger Surinamese companies, when you walk into the, the head office, they have the mission and vision statement of the company written down on the wall. And you can directly see within three months working with that company of the organization itself works towards those mi- the mission and vision that's projected there, or when it doesn't, and when it doesn't, you'll see that there's also a very high turnover, and you will see that the strategy kind of changes whenever whenever so a new manager comes into play. Well, when you see like they have a solid mission and vision. You can really see it because the, the the team that you work with works in that way. So those are really fun things and interesting things.
1: Yeah, basically insights from learning. And what would be the worst part you like the least? Let's reframe it.
0: Well, if, if there was something I didn't like, I wouldn't be in this space, I guess. But I think the hardest part, the hardest part is that there's no real continuity and you can relax and, and, and Sit down and like, okay, this is gonna go for five years. There is no, oh, this is gonna go. I can do f- nothing for five years, and I'm still have, I still have my position. I mean, it it changes so quickly. Like one of the things that for me is the hardest is when we work with influencers, and the contract is over, and it could be three months or six months, and then all of a sudden, like, okay, sorry, there's no renewal, and then the project stops, and the influencer looks like me, like, yeah, I'm sorry, you're letting me go. It is not the same as firing someone, but it sometimes feels the yeah. same, like saying like, yeah, sorry, this source of income is just going to stop and I don't have a new one for you.
1: But I guess that's therein the, lies how, the challenge, right?
0: Yeah, well, you okay. can go to another client, but it's it's not like people think like, uh, especially with influencer marketing in Suriname, people, I mean, I talk about influencer marketing that's already a million dollar Surinamese dollars to be to be fair. It's already a million dollar industry in Suriname. Influencer marketing is pretty big in Suriname. Uh, companies pay quite a lot, but it's not consistent and not all the companies pay the same amount and pay the same. There's still uh, lowballing offers going around. There's still one-off offers like you get asked to be an influencer once and basically you get paid once and then for the next five years, the competitors are competitors are like yeah, but we're not taking that influencer because they did did they, they they appeared on the cover of something once, you know. So
1: these kind of, uh, but I, I think that's business everywhere. It, it, it's just uh, the same business.
0: No, but Suriname, Suriname is, is is really small, so it you, it yeah everyone smaller. knows everyone also yeah, yeah no, but sense. you don't have a lot of options.
1: But but speaking of influencers, Michael here has a question. Good evening, Michael. On the topic of influencers, in your opinion, are Surinamese influencers sending the right messages apart from just entertainment?
0: If if we want to have that discussion, we should have a better definition of influencers because anybody can be an influencer. Uh, But if you're talking specifically about the internet famous, does the internet famous group are the so the social media influencers that are? Internet famous in Suriname. Do they always send the right message? I think I think they're more open minded than you think. But I, like I mentioned earlier, I think the biggest problem that influencers still have in Suriname is understanding that part of their part of it's a job. Like, you will get asked things by companies, and either you're able to convince them that they have to have a different approach and they should do a different approach to what they're used to, you don't work with them. So imagine this. Imagine you're an influencer and you get asked for a brand deal, and you don't use that brand. It's really hard for an influencer to say, no, I'm not going to promote you because I don't use your brand. Most influencers are so happy that they get like a monthly income from a company or from a brand that they take the brand deal without having an actual connection with the brand. And this is sometimes where it goes wrong because it becomes work because it's not something they want to do so they get stuck in this yeah in this position that basically they have to do it but they ha- they don't have a feel to it and if you don't have a feel to it your following feels it the company feels it and you end up the deal stops or you don't get it doesn't get your contract doesn't get renewed and and people are still like it's it's hard for an influencer to say like no I'm not I'm not doing this because i don't have connection with the brand and when they do and they lose the brand deal it hurts them even more but but go ahead
1: yeah i I have a question a quick follow-up question on that so you've worked with a lot of influencers and from your experience would you say or how many would you consider that really consider it a job like a full-time job being an influencer (laughs)
0: So I think some influencers consider their full-time job being a creator. Some influencers consider their full-time job being a marketer. So it's it's not like we want to classify influencer as a job, but the actual job is something else. An, an explanation that I gave on LinkedIn for me, like influencers are the new is the new age celebrity. So you should see that rather as a celebrity than a job. Like nobody 15 years ago says, what's your job? Yeah, I'm a celebrity. No, you're a TV host that's famous that is a celebrity. You're an actor that's famous that's a celebrity. Same here. Same principle goes here. You are a YouTuber that's an influencer. But the first thing is you're a YouTuber. You create content for YouTube. That's your actual skill. Not just being an influencer. That's not your skill. So that's where a lot of young people get stuck because they want to be an influencer, but they want to be an influencer without an actual skill. You need that actual skill that people can relate to you. And then you have the entertainment part. So some people are just online comedians, and that's their skill. They're really good at comedy, and they have a following. So basically, they're a comedian or online comedian first, and they are an influencer as well, or they are a YouTuber, and they are an influencer as well. Or they are a makeup artist and they are an influencer as well. Yeah. So that's that's it's an extension. It, I, I think that's extension. a great,
1: great analogy yeah. with the celebrity thing. Yeah. And definitely people just see the the flare and the fireworks and the flowers and don't see the underlying work. Yeah, like underrated. the
0: the best influencers in, in Suriname, people that I really like working with, they got an actual skill. Like one of the people that I love working with. Uh, like, I mean, I'm not going to call too many names because otherwise they're going to be like, why didn't you mention me? But like, I really like working with, with, with Gil Aik. But, but Gil Aik is, is a television presenter and she has presented on television for so long that it's kind of natural for her to, to bring messages across and also bring messages across from companies, which really makes it a lot easier. So the, the influencer part is kind of secondary. I mean, she even said when she became famous was due to the fact that she brought out a book. Technically, she's a writer. It's a writer, but, yeah. Yeah, that became a celebrity. Or she was a television presenter because everybody knows her from Indebranding. So she was a television presenter that became a celebrity. And that's kind of influenced her. So, and, and she's one of the few people that really kind of knew how to use social media because most people from her generation, they're famous they're celebrities, but they don't have the influencer status. So that's also a very interesting perspective.
1: No, I think that's a really good take on that. Then I'll move on to the next one. Just stay in the marketing entrepreneurship lean for a bit before we switch it up. So the next question from our listener is how can small businesses or entrepreneurs broaden their social media presence through, natural, through, an, through an organic way? so not boosting and I, I think we've mentioned this a lot but
0: just to reiterate stop using facebook so like like here's the here's the fun fact so you're a brand new influencer you want to be seen and you're going to jump on facebook where Everybody, 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 like all your competitors, everybody in Suriname is over there. And you're going to fight against the Facebook algorithm, which wants you to pay them to be seen organically. I mean, like if you're a starting entrepreneur, go to TikTok and go to Instagram. Go to TikTok and post on a daily basis, and you will have 10,000 followers in no time. And once you have those 10,000 followers on TikTok, and TikTok in no time, you can switch on any platform and convince those TikTok followers and maybe 10% will cross over to your Facebook as well, which is a lot easier than getting 10,000 followers on Facebook and getting from those 10,000 followers on Facebook, a 1,000 followers on TikTok. The other way is always easier. Once you know the newer platforms, when you get a hold of, the newer platforms are the easiest to grow because there are like five companies in Suriname that use TikTok, like five. So if you're a brand new company and you want to be seen and people know about you, just go on TikTok and promote your business on TikTok. Like that's, that's the space. You have no competition there. Your competitors aren't on TikTok. The Surinameast companies aren't on TikTok. There aren't that many creators on TikTok. So you get seen easier. It's, it's just, just plain and simple. Start on TikTok. And also even Instagram is easier than Facebook. So if you have like a very visual product, start on Instagram instead of Facebook. And it's really hard because we're all hardwired that Facebook is the place to be. Facebook is the place to be. But when it comes to organically growing, I mean, Facebook is the last place you should go. Like I know Facebook pages with 100,000 likes. And once they post something on their account organically, they get like five to 10 10 reactions on the post. And they have 100,000 likes. So if you like want organic, you don't have an ad budget, screw Facebook.
1: Just quickly on that, while I know this is all context-specific, we eliminated Facebook. Which one of the other platforms for you is the most underrated?
0: From Okay, so, so if, if you have like a business-to-consumer product, if you have a juice or soap or clothing, I would say TikTok, Instagram. If you're a business-to-business, like you provide services I would go to LinkedIn. Yeah, LinkedIn is definitely massively underrated. I agree. That's 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 something that we should mention as well. But business, but that's business to business.
1: Cool. Then I'll go back to the comment section. I saw one comment come in with a question. Where was it again? Yeah. I think you already answered this partly on how you combine fatherhood, family time, and your work time in the beginning. But just to add to that, has your approach changed now that we are in a pandemic or like semi-post-pandemic?
0: So yeah, so Aislin, thanks for a question. If you haven't watched the, f- the first answer, because I partly gave answer to this question already earlier in the Ask Me Anything, but you should definitely look this video back. But what has changed during the pandemic? During the pandemic, I think I spent a lot more time with my children. When the first lockdowns came... I basically had to stay at home with with my children because they weren't allowed to go to daycare. They weren't allowed to go to school. And my wife had to go to work every day. So I kind of stayed home. I worked from home, but I did get to spend a lot of my time. And and I think for me, the three times a week that I put my children to bed, those are really important because if I'm well-rested, we play games beforehand. I read each one of them at least one story from a book And before they go to sleep and I still stay with them and I lay down with them. And sometimes when I'm really tired, I fall asleep (laughs) together with them as well. But I think that's for me really important. So that's the quality time. So the quality time has to be really quality time. And I think a lot of people mentioned this online as well. Like it's not the amount of time you're together with your children in one room, but it's the quality of the time when you're together with them so and the same goes for your relationship with your husband or your wife i mean uh, my wife and i we have a very different biological rhythm so that makes it difficult to match but we try to have at least one night uh, a week that we have together just the two of us so these are really kind of things you have to put in place i have to structure my private life to make sure that i spend the amount of time that i want to spend with my family
1: so in short, is it safe to assume that the quality has improved?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. If if you compare it now, I mean <laughs> I when my daughter was born, my daughter surprised us, by the way, because we had a C section planned for the fifth of December and she came the first of December and I got called when I was in a weekly meeting and I rushed to the hospital. Um so the the first month my wife joked with me the first month that my daughter was born, I didn't see her. I mean I saw her, but I was busy with with other things because she was born in December and I'm still the chairman of Suri Festa. So the combination was the combination was terrible. But since then it it fastly improved. I really take pride in being a good dad. So I do I really have specific times that I make available and try to get my my children interested in the two the things that I'm interested in. So yes, my daughter is taking chess lessons.
1: Awesome. So no worries, Lin. Hopefully you got something out of that. But if you want to hear the other part, you can check back in the episode around the 15, 20 minute mark, if I'm not mistaken, for Shanduk's full answer on the first part. All right. Then I guess it's time to move on. I think I I grouped all the relating questions together. So we'll throw in some random questions now to finish it (laughs) up. Let's try to keep it short now. First one from the comments. Do you get enough sleep?
0: Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't. Right. At the moment, I'm I'm quite well rested. For the the past three days, on average, I slept enough. But last awesome. week was terrible. It Was really terrible.
1: Kay. Next one, which episode or idea hit you the most on social convos?
0: I think this is a really tough one. I think what the 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 one with Ivan it really surprised me. Like, I was kind of upset that uh, if you have to hand in for Academy Awards. If you want to do short film, that currently we only have feature films that we can nominate. But if we have to nominate somebody for short films, that we have to do the whole process, process all over again. I think that kind of it, it kind of did something with me.
1: Yeah, it was quite quite a revelation to see what the actual process was.
0: Yeah, I think I think, and I mean, that's the funny thing because out of all the guests I know, Ivan quite well, like pretty close but still in that episode we talked about things that I was I wasn't aware of that that are playing a role.
1: Next question is there a rule or quote you live by?
0: So there's a quote (laughs) I'm looking if I can see the book here No, okay I'm gonna take one because I'm seeing a book here by Dale Carnegie how to win friends and influence people and I think it's very very valid at this moment especially in times of COVID and discussions are going one of the best quotes that there is, is if you want to gather honey, don't kick the beehive. Like, it's it's something like, you need something from someone. You need them to cooperate. And the first thing you're going to do is go up to them and tell them what they're going to do, what they're doing wrong. I mean, like, how are you going to get their cooperation, you know? So, I think that's... that's
1: Yeah, bring flowers to the bees.
0: Bring flowers to the bees. <laughs> like, I mean, and and I'm not saying be insincere, that's not what I'm saying, but I mean, like, it, it's very simple. If you want to gather honey, don't kick the beehive. If you want to become close to somebody, I mean, from a dating perspective, there are some interesting theories behind this, but let's keep it in general. If, if you want to have, like, co- cooperation from someone, don't go in there and tell them what they're doing wrong or, or try to convince them to have a different take without actually bonding with them and knowing what they're about first.
1: Next one. How can you, as a Surinamese, earn money on YouTube? Short answer. <laughs> because okay. this, this is a whole topic on its own, but... Okay.
0: So, so monetization, there are different levels. One of the fewer that joined and who also asked a question just had his first Upwork job done today or finished today, so... Kudos to you. So we discussed this with Rahim, like how to earn money online. And then from YouTube perspective, so a couple of things on YouTube. You need to have a thousand subscribers. You need, I think, 4,000 or 6,000 hours of watch time in the past year. And also, uh, you have to change your address that you're living in the US or in the Netherlands or somewhere when monetization is an option. And if you're really getting enough views, then you might get some ads on your channel. And if you get ads on your channel, then you will get some money. And if people click on ads in Suriname, you earn less than if people add on clicks uh, a click on ads in, in Europe or in the US. And basically, that's how the monetization process in YouTube works in short. But you're not going to get rich off that. I think the most prominent YouTubers in Suriname get a couple of hundred dollars a year out of their yeah, monetization. It's, it's ridiculous YouTube.
1: the numbers you have to hit on YouTube. So
0: unless you're going to focus on having an English channel and discuss things and you're better than other English uh, channels as
1: well. I'd like to add to this. I would add, unless you're really, really serious with the niche, look at YouTube as how Shanduk look looked at Facebook. And look at other platforms and I highly, highly recommend Twitch, it is so underrated.
0: Quickly, I mean, right now, as for social confos as well, there are Publix OX, Publish OX, Hive or Treespeak, DTube, Gaze TV. There are so many platforms where just for uploading your video, you get paid crypto or other kind of currencies or tokens for uploading your videos where you're going to make much more money starting out than on YouTube. And those platforms don't even mind. Of course, they mind. You're not going to get the same rewards if you don't cater it specifically to that platform. But you're going to get more rewards from it than actually just uploading on YouTube. So, if you upload on YouTube, actually upload on Joe's channels as well and earn a little bit. And even though you're not familiar with crypto, just build up until you have enough and you feel like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be able to cash it out. So, that's already a, a better solution. Like, YouTube is really hard. Really, really hard. look
1: at alternatives, but don't discard it.
0: And there's actually a girl in Suriname with close to 40,000 subscribers that does really interesting do it yourself do it yourself videos I, i'm gonna search her info and try to get her to interview her as well because that's yeah. she's she's pretty cool we we should get uh, someone
1: like that on social yeah. converse it's she's
0: it's really, she's really under, underrated like other people get a lot of attention she doesn't but i'm gonna figure i'm gonna figure it out i'm gonna find the information
1: track her down all right next one i don't sure i quite get this one but Assuming it's your uh, viewer. <laughs> Kaseko and social media, how do you do that?
0: Okay, so I think we're, we don't take enough pride in what we're good at and things that are originated from here. So Kaseko is, is music originated from, from Surinamese music. Uh, it's a combination of Calypso and African and this is really big uh, mix of different types of, of, of music. And Kaseko is really loved around the world like we don't know how how well uh, appreciated it is because in different communities in jazz and different music communities in the U.S. and in Europe and in Asia some of our Surinamese artists are considered legends like Ronald Snyder's is considered a legend in the music industry and we don't give him enough credit because we look at it and it's like this is a Surinamese guy playing on a flute like how popular can you be in the rest of the world? But his music, his kaseko music is respected by musicians all over the world, musicians that you kind of admire, they get influenced by that kind of music. So the question is like, how do you use social media to, to get it more freely? And, and one of the things that I considered was, it's really hard, but if you could make a foundation, a Kassiko foundation, and give that kaseko foundation rights that if modern artists sample these casico beats, for instance, if it's being used in dance and trance or, or, or up-tempo pop beats or it's being used in hip-hop beats or r and songs, that we get some revenue from it. And the best example I'm going to give is there's a song by Shakira. There's a song by Shakira that became a World Cup anthem. And that song was sampled off a song by Crossfire. And that song of Crossfire was sampled off of a Surinamese song. So you can imagine that basically there was a Surinamese melody that was being presented at the World Cup as the official song. You know what song I'm talking about? Waka Waka from Shakira, which was Mm -hmm. a a, a World Cup song. And it came from, she basically, her team got it from Crossfire. I'm not sure if it's Crossfire or other Caribbean I could be wrong about Crossfire. I have Crossfire in my head, but it could be another Caribbean band. And that Caribbean band had it from a Surinamese band. So so there's an opportunity. If we understand that Kaseko is something really unique, we should be able to sell it through social media. But the difficult part is, is, is respecting it. And I've also discussed that maybe we should put some a little bit of YouTube advertising budget and some Surinamese songs – get them advertised in some african countries just to see if it sparks up and people sh- start sharing it like crazy because i, I like think Assotto, it would just yeah, like I Assotto, think it would. square one rosita thank you thank you for uh, for correcting me so it was faluma by isa and then square one took it over and then it ended up being a song that shakira used or a melody that Shakira used. So, thank you for sharing that, Rosita. So, I really think that just like Osonto came from Africa and became popular in Suriname, I'm pretty sure the, uh, opposite, to it. the opposite is possible as well. But there's, I think, is there a, a Guyanese guy living, or either a Guyanese or a Jamaican living in the US that regularly reacts to Surinamese songs? And he's going viral in Suriname. So, here's this is. This is really something that we have to figure out. Just with business, that like a Peace Corps, somebody who joined the Peace Corps came to Suriname, started making dried fruits from Surinamese fruits, and he made it all the way uh, to an American television show about entrepreneurship. Why aren't we able to do that? Why aren't we able to do the same thing? Why is it an international react video uh, YouTuber that goes viral with reacting to Surinamese things. Why couldn't it be the other way around? We just have to be open and and just jump out more and try a little bit more. And we do have to find out how the platforms work. I think that's important as well because we we are very Facebook driven. But I mean, and and the younger generation knows this, Diego. That's the funny thing. There are Surinamese people going viral on TikTok. We just don't know about it because we're so obsessed with Facebook. But we have so many young Surinamese people going viral on TikTok, on TikTok with a million views on certain videos that we just don't know about because we're not invested in those platforms.
1: Yeah, definitely. And you mentioned one thing, the React videos. That is a category that, gets a, that goes viral, gets a lot of views.
0: One of, the first, one of the first people to reach 20K subscribers in Suriname was actually Simanikh. Simon now is much more known as a photographer and a really good uh, model photography, but he actually first off started with a React uh, channel on YouTube and he had like 20K subscribers when nobody was even aware that YouTube could be something in Suriname. So these things, these opportunities are there, but you just have to be able to take them.
1: So following up on the topic of music, uh Quick question from Greg. Can you monetize on Spotify?
0: Yeah, there there are certain workarounds. I mean, they're now Spotify for artists. I haven't tried Spotify for artists on on, 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 downloading the app and using that. But there's several services, third-party services that help with distribution. For monetization on Spotify, for podcasting, for instance, we use our we don't we as uh, social confos don't, but most of these people use Anchor. If you set it up correctly, you can earn money from Anchor as well for for streaming on Spotify. There's DistroKit. There are a couple of other apps that I currently don't know, but they kind of distribute for you and they get like fifteen or thirty percent or ten percent of your revenue but there also it takes a lot of marketing to getting people to actually stream you on Spotify. So if you put your effort in it, the, the thing here is pick one channel. Yeah, Just go all out on one channel. Just, just decide for, for yourself, this is going to be my monetization channel and I'm going to gear all my social media, all my other social media to fuel my content on this channel. Like obsessed over and unfortunately, if you do choose a channel that isn't big enough in Suriname, you're you're gonna miss out. But that's the There's right opportunity strategy. out there. Yeah.
1: and so Rosita is going to start yes. a Casico account on TikTok. Yes, there we go.
0: Yes, and if you're lucky, uh, you should check it straight away, Rosita. Because if at Casico is still available, you should claim that one. Just claim it. If it's still available, claim it. If it's not, you're going to have to be more creative. But if at Casico is still available, you should leave this stream right now and and claim it. If it's still available on TikTok.
1: All right, reaching the home stretch. We've already answered this question briefly in my Ask Me Anything, but there was another question here from a viewer. What's what's a podcast for people who don't know what it is and how can you start one? What do you need?
0: Okay, we I think we covered this a little bit last week, but just to iterate, basically a podcast is an, an audio version of uh, of a show. You can consider it, it could be an on-demand radio program, like a talk show pro- program. That's something you can compare, compare to. And basically podcasts, always have like a category or something that's a certain theme that they talk about. So we focus on social conversations. So it, that keeps it a little broad. But often you have podcasts specifically on social media marketing or on the tech scene or PCN repairs or just wine So maybe or even Casico. So a podcast is a specific platform that focuses on something. And, and podcast is a long form. So that's yeah. something you should consider. It doesn't have also.
1: to be. Doesn't have to be actually. Oh yeah you
0: have podcasts, five minute podcasts yeah. as well. But, but, so
1: my, my my simple definition yeah. is always, it's just a means of distribution.
0: Yeah, but then what do you distribute? So you a uh,
1: means you of distribution of an or, audio file through a specific, how do you call this? A specific protocol.
0: Yeah. That's a podcast. What do and you And and it's been
1: popularized by actually by the iPod.
0: Hey, yes. No,
1: that's know, a fun fact. Yeah,
0: yeah, that's a fun fact. That makes sense. <laughs> that's, that's actually right? where you the name
1: came from, podcast <laughs> yeah. from iPod. Podcasted you on your iPod.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Okay, so how do you start? Very simple. You have a phone. That's that's how you start. You have a phone and you have a concept, and an internet connection. And you just call up somebody and you just record it. And I mean, again, Anchor, Anchor.fm, they're not even paying us, but it's so easy to start up a podcast with Anchor, Anchor.fm. So that would be the, the place to start. And Yeah, the, um,
1: the thanks for the word. That was there. RSS. Yeah. RSS feed. Yeah, uh, the, that's a protocol, yeah. uh, RSS.
0: I haven't heard of that name so long. I mean, that used to be a big thing when you were building websites that you have to put your RSS feed in so people could get updates. Wow, how times have changed. <laughs>
1: Indeed. All right. I think then we're at the final question here. What do you think each district's superpower is in Suriname to be able to be set into motion for sustainable development?
0: This is Rajiv's question. Rajiv knows me a little bit, so he knows a little bit about the way I think. So to put into context, I studied uh, urban development and planning. One of the things that during my studies we were interested in and we had to research is all these European cities that try to become European capital of culture and what they were willing to do to become capital of culture. So on a yearly basis, different cities in Europe get crowned as the European capital of culture. And basically it's kind of getting the value of the city up, getting tourism up, getting business up for people to become interested in that city. And I really believe in the DNA of cities. So one of the biggest mistakes that a lot of cities make is in Europe is they want to be this and they want to be that and they want to be that. And it's basically a framework of what they want to become and they completely neglect basically their DNA. What is their strong suit? And so from a similar perspective, I've been thinking, like, if we want to develop Suriname decentralized, we would have to figure out what's the strong suit of every different district in Suriname and basically develop the district based on its strengths. It takes the pressure away from the capital, from Paramaribo, because right now everything is clustered in Paramaribo. Everything is completely clustered in Paramaribo. That If you're in, in, in uh, the periphery of Suriname, the goal is get to Paramaribo. If you're going to school... In, in, in the interior, you have to go to high school and to university in Paramaribo. If you want to go to the bank, we even see that there are movements and the banks are, are one of the few uh, companies that are already moving out to, to the different districts. But there's a lot that's not in the districts. It's only in Paramaribo. And that's due to the fact that the district doesn't have its own economy. So we should, if you really want to sustainably develop Suriname, we should develop the districts. And have each district have their own economy, which they don't rely on Paramaribo as much anymore. So if you would define the districts into their strengths, for me personally, Nikeri is quite easy. I would think that Nikeri has the potential to be the production district of Suriname. I mean, the rice fields are already there, but there are different levels of production. But I think it should really be the, the production capital of Suriname. And also make it easier to, to Guyana to actually export things out to Guyana and into the Caribbean and maybe find a partnership. If you're already building a bridge together with Guyana, find a way to, to make it a win-win. It's not that easy. I mean, I, I'm very much aware of that, but Nikeri already has the industry. So I think that's the easiest one. I might get some, some disagreement here, but I think Corona is the perfect place to set up the ICT infrastructure. Coroni is the perfect place to become the ICT hub of Suriname. I believe it because, and now there are other ways that the internet connection comes in as well, but one of the biggest transmission internet lines comes in through through the sea. So if you set up your ICT structure there and you get the internet, you tap it off. It's, it's a geographic advantage. Everything that can go wrong between Coroni and Paramaribo that goes wrong now, it doesn't go wrong there because you're directly you're directly to the source. So I think that's one of the biggest advantages and it's easy to set up the infrastructure there. So so that's definitely uh where I think that's the first thing. It's upsetting that the the coconut industry in Coroni no longer exists, but I'm pretty sure there still is some potential there to do more with with coconuts and coconut oil and coconut crafts. There still is and I mean, it's so brandable marketing-wise, as well as a district. But you're going to have to get people from the outside in willing to live there. And there has to be an economic benefit to living there, which currently there isn't. But if you put up an infrastructure, if you're the, Euro, if you're the Surinamese government and you tell people, listen, you can go live in Koroni, internet in Koroni is free. Let's, let's take that for example. Just say like people, we're going to give an incentive, internet in Koroni is free. Whether you're starting a business, whether you want to live there, internet and Corona is free. See what kind of movement we can get. Saramaka is the most difficult one. I don't have a lot of insights on Saramaka, what what their strengths uh, or what the DNA is. I think I would have to talk to local experts there to to give me a better insight. It could be cattle. It, it could be some kind of production industry as well. But I really have to. I, I'm not familiar with with Saramaka's DNA, Paramaribo, the capital. That's that's. I mean, I, I don't think there will change a lot there. But surface surface industry wise, Paramaribo would would still have a strong suit. Para is also of uh, Wanica is also interesting. I think there are a couple of moves that already are being ma- made. But you should look at what does Wanica have that Paramaribo is less of a strong suit in, and try to develop Wanica more towards that that direction.
1: Complementing Paramaribo basically. Complementing
0: Paramaribo. Para is for me the most interesting one. I believe Para should be a hub. I I really believe that there should be roads from all districts to Para, and it would put a lot of less pressure on the current roads that we have. If you could drive straight from Para, from Sandeire, you could drive straight to Nikeri. That would be really, uh, really useful. If you could drive straight to Coroni, if you could drive. Street, so making Para a hub would make a lot of sense. Thank you, Anaka, for for putting that. Agriculture is indeed something that I think would work for Sanamaka. but Para Para should be our hub. Basically, if you want to do it smartly, you would make a ring, uh, a ring way around Para, and have opportunities to go to the different districts from there on, and not everybody using the same road. So that would be a, a very interesting thing. I think Brocopondo, which is already we're already seeing that. But Brokopondo should be our mass tourism experience. I think that's most suited for mass tourism, much more than ecotourism is for Sipaliwini, and sustainable. And with mass tourism, I'm not thinking like uh, thousands of people, but definitely hundreds of people. Like a lot of recreational facilities. In if if the if the commute is better, would be better suited in Brokopondo. Than even in Para, leave Para for the locals and Brokopondo for for international tourists. I think that's that's maybe a fair fair way to use it. You could do it the other way around as well, but I don't think that will work because most of Para, mm. recreationally, has already been filled in. So Brokopondo has a really lot of potential for for tourism, and I would consider doing that because it's the easiest way. It's less expensive as well. Going sipaliwini. It really gets expensive immediately because you have to go by plane or a really, really long boat boat trip. Uh, so for ecotourism, I would definitely say Sipaliwini. For a little bit of more commercial, easy access tourism, I would definitely go for Brokopondo. There's a lot of opportunity there. I think if you want to go green, Komboen is the best place to go green to experiment with everything that's about green. Less roads, less traffic, more bikes, solar infrastructure. But also, of course, Kamauene is quite known for fishing. So I wouldn't let go uh, of that in the fish industry either. And then I I really believe that Maruene could be the creative capital of Suriname. I really think there are really a lot of talented, creative people there. And if they are given the right opportunities, they could really create things that we are not aware of that could be made in, in Suriname. And I think I think that's underestimated and there's not a lot of... Uh, I don't think there's enough credit given to, to Mara Reina for for being as creative as they are. So I think I that gives an it gives a general layout of how I would for now interpret the, the ten districts of, of Suriname and focus them on their strengths.
1: Awesome. I think that's the whole section we could cut out of this episode and you know post and use as a case study. Uh, for those who want to, you know, who want to rise up to the challenge, but with that being said, I think that's it from all the questions that have been coming in from you. We've Gone a bit overboard on the time, but oh, I think it was, was fun! Ra- no, it was fun. It was I well didn't worth feel it. I it was
0: too long or too. Was far. It was definitely well worth
1: right. it. Rajiv really loves the answer, so there's some homework there, Rajiv. You are also an influencer in various faces. So let's make use of this, those talents, those strengths, and those opportunities. I saw a few comments come in that I glanced over. Joel joined in halfway. Fun fact, it came from an (laughs) Eric Rossen video to this podcast. So didn't get a chance to give him a shout out yet, but shout out to Joel.
0: Joel, let's connect on chess.com. Let's play a couple of matches. I only play uh, blitz, I think. I only play blitz.
1: And uh, one more, another fact check from Anil. Adam Curry came up with the word podcast. There we go. Thank you for checking that, Anil, and sharing with us. But we are at the end. So as you did with me last week, do we you have a specific question for the viewers to think yeah. about as we That's close out this episode?
0: One. I want you to go into your phone and look at what apps you spent the most time on in the past week and send us a screenshot through app or through messenger or to anywhere that you'd like, go through your phone, see where on which app you spend, uh, watch apps you spend the most time. Make a screenshot and just send it to us, and I will connect this to a giveaway for everybody this coming week that uh, shares a screenshot to of their, of their phone and the consumption, what day the app they use the most. We're gonna put you in a prize pool, and I'm gonna give away an NFT worth at least 200 SRD.
1: Well, there you have it. So to repeat, send a screenshot to either one of us or through email it to casual at com. A screenshot of your most used apps this week.
0: Yeah, of your app usage, your phone usage this week, what your app you use the most. And you get the opportunity to win a prize of worth at least 200 SRD. And I, I think it's going to be an NFT, but I'll see... Depending on who wins, I'll, I'll give a couple of options for you. What what it can be, but I'll invest at least 10, 10 US into in your prize.
1: Awesome! I think uh, we should expand on that to some more giveaway interesting ideas. But that, with that being said, uh, people, thank you for tuning in. We've been live on one, two, three, four, five, six, seven platforms today. How great is that?
0: It's pretty awesome.
1: Yeah, and we appreciate all the questions you sent in, all the comments in the comments section, all the support you've given us over the past half year. This is our half half year point mark, and we are going full speed ahead for the next half year, or at least five five months. So expect another guest. We don't know yet who is gonna be in next week, but we're gonna try to we'll some, figure it we, out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get something interesting. So audio versions of the episode will be released on Saturdays as usual on all podcasting platforms. If you missed it, uh, you can check it out there. Share with your friends. Give us feedback of anything you'd like, uh, you'd like to change or have Give us a review on Apple. Give us a review on Apple Podcasts if you use Apple Podcasts. If you don't, you can always download the Apple Podcast app on your Windows computer and give us a review through that. I went through that process, so it's not exclusive to Apple users. But yeah, thanks so much for the support. With that being said, I give the final word to you, Shanluk, and then you can close it off.
0: So that was my Ask Me Anything. I hope you guys enjoyed it. We'll be next back here next week at 9 o'clock on the Tuesday night. This was Social Confos for today. See you guys. Bye-bye.